before we begin, I would like to wish my beyond amazing wife, Haven, a very, very ecstatic and happy 35th wedding anniversary. I don't know about you, but I believe in multiple lives and reincarnation, and I know she and I have danced through lifetime after lifetime after lifetime, and I could think of no one else that I would rather dance with in any lifetime than her. And I want to dedicate today's show to my truly amazing, beyond amazing wife, Haven. Happy anniversary. Welcome to the Faith and More podcast. This is a safe place for everyone. No matter what your faith is, or isn't. Reverend Angelis Wise is our host. He, is an ordained minister, and, life coach. He firmly believes that the divine works through people every day to help us. These angels and saints are so very humble. Many of us don't know they exist or existed. Each week we explore the lives of these amazing beings. We will also explore topics that can help your faith, no matter what it is or isn't. The goal of this show is to inspire, encourage, educate, uplift, strengthen and heal you and your faith. So, be sure to follow and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to your oasis in the desert, a place where you can catch your breath, recharge, and heal. If you're new to the show, thank you very much for finding us. It is my deepest hope and prayer that you find everything you're looking for in a podcast, especially a faith-based podcast, here and more. And if you're returning, infinite thanks, blessings, and love for all of your support. Show of hands. How many of you have heard of Henry Nowen, also known as Father Henry Nowen? Yeah, I don't see too many, and that is a shame. We are going to be learning about one of the greatest mystics, contemplatives, prophets of our day. So those of you who have been longtime listeners know that I'm currently taking Sanctus Seminary courses through Father Mike Cantor. Shout out and blessings to him. And uh, part of that is doing essays on all of the papers that I study. And this one that I did was on a documentary on uh, Father Henry Nowen called Journey of the Heart, a documentary on Father Henry Nowen by Father Jim Waters. And Father Jim Waters is the creator of the Sanctus Seminary Formation uh, course that I am currently taking, I should say courses. Um, So I asked Father Mike if it would be possible or permissible for me to share my essay on uh, Father Henry Nowen with all of you, and he so graciously agreed. So infinite thanks, blessings, and love, Father Mike, for allowing me to share my essay on Father Henry Nowen with all of you. Father Henry says it is important for us to find places of compassion where it is simply good to be human with another human. Somewhere in the midst of that, we find our beloved. You can call that God, the universe, whatever you wish to label that which cannot be labeled. 
Among the many gifts and blessings of Father Henry was his ability to put into words that which many could not. Experiences and feelings Father Henry could put into words, so much so that his books speak directly to so many, opening them up to the Grand Canyon of God. He wrote over 40 books and has sold over 2 million copies in North America alone. Father Henry was able to awaken to that which he called the Beloved. This Beloved is none other than God, ultimate reality or whatever one wishes to label or not label it. Father Henry was able to teach and share from the, that Beloved level so much wisdom and unconditional love, no matter what was going on with him personally or relatively. Father Henry was a wounded healer, prophet, and saint, as most who have awakened to the ultimate are. His wounds did not keep him from helping others. They fueled him to do more and more for others. People could easily relate, connect, and commune with Father Henry because of his wounds and his connection with the Beloved. One of Father Henry's greatest works was inspired by Rembrandt's painting, the prodigal son. And if you all have not seen this yet, please Google it. Check it out. Rembrandt, the prodigal son. He was so moved by this piece. He initially associated with the son who had returned. Then he began to feel that he related to both and the returning son and the older son. This ended up causing Father Henry to go into a deep depression. One of his community went to check on him. Upon seeing how depressed Father Henry was with the association with this image, she pointed out that although he may associate with the two sons, he now must be the father. Father Henry explains how the father in the image represents both male and female. One hand is distinctly male and the other distinctly female. Father Henry realized that he is not only needed to go home in communion with the beloved, but to also bring and welcome others home to the same. And if you all aren't familiar with the uh, story of the prodigal son, I will share that very briefly with you here. Um, I shared it back, I believe, season two in one of the episodes, but you know, it's, it's worthy of sharing again and again. I will keep this as brief as possible. Um, so this is a story or a parable that Jesus taught. So there was a father who was fairly wealthy. He had servants and, and a farm, and he had two sons, um, an older son and a younger son. Well, the younger son was kind of fed up with uh, life on the farm. And as, you know, lavish as he had it, uh, he was just tired and wanted to see about, you know, getting his inheritance because his father wasn't getting any younger. So he thought, you know what? I'll ask dad to give me the money that he was going to give me when he died. I know. <laughs> Isn't that something? But this adds, this, this adds to the parable, to the story. So he goes to the, the father and says, hey, you know, look, you, you're not going to be around for probably much longer. You mind uh, just give me what uh, you were going to give me when you passed away? And the father very lovingly said, yeah, no problem. So he gives the son younger son the amount of money that he would have given him uh, when he after he passed or that he would have inherited so the young man goes off and goes to a nearby town and 
spends the money very quickly on wine, women, and song. And before you know it, he's completely broke. He doesn't have a shekel to his name. So he ends up going to a local farmer in that area because he's too embarrassed and ashamed to go home and asked pretty much bags for a job. So the farmer was like, yeah, sure, you can help take care of my pigs. So he goes out and he's taking care of the pigs and, you know, making pretty much nothing. And he sees that the pigs are eating better than he is and actually have a better life than he is. And he's thinking, you know what? I should go back home because I can go back home and be a servant of my father's and I'll make more money and be taken care of better by him than by this guy. So he decides he's going to go home. So all the way on the journey home, he's thinking and it's running through his head. You know, he's got this script that he's going to say to his dad about, you know, how he was wrong and how he was sorry and how um, he asked for forgiveness and, just, you know, wants a job as a servant or slave, you know, and, and doesn't, you know, expect to be welcomed in the family, but, you know, would love a job and, and to be a servant. So he, as he's getting closer to home, the father looks down the road and sees his son coming. And he quickly calls out to his servants to go get his finest robes, sandals and jewelry, a necklace and a ring. And the ring symbolizes that um, birthright and um, hierarchy and part of a, a, a well-to-do family, a respected family. It's a, it's a very prominent symbol. Um, so as the son gets closer, the father runs to greet him. And before the son can say anything, the father embraces him, hugs him and welcomes him back home. And the son falls to his knees, in tears, grabbing a hold of his father. And his father puts his hands on his shoulders and welcomes him back and tells him how much he missed him. And that he loved him and he announces, my son has come back from the dead. Which to him, he thought for sure that that young man was going to end up dead somewhere. And that in his mind, he had already come to terms with that. So by the son coming back, that was the father seeing his son resurrected. So he tells the son to rise and he puts on the robe, the finest robe and the jewelry and the ring, symbolizing that, no, he's not going to be a servant. He's a welcomed member back into the family and his beloved son. So with tears in his eyes, the father in celebration calls out to the servants and tells them to go get the best calf that he has, slaughter it, cook it for dinner. They're going to have a welcome home feast. So where's the older son? Well, he's been out in the fields working hard all day. And as he comes back home, he's making his way back home. He sees all these lights and hears music and celebration. And he's like, what in the world is going on? And as he gets closer, he asks one of the servants, like, wait, what, what's going on? Um, and the servant replies, oh, you didn't know? Your brother has returned. And he got very, very upset, uh, so much so that he went inside the house and, you know, you could tell he was really upset. 
Um, he bit his tongue and stormed out and the father chased after him and the father was like, hey, what's going on? Come in and celebrate. Your son's come back. You know, I me, mean, son, excuse me, your brother has come back. And he was like, look, why are you throwing him a party? He not only had the audacity to insult you by saying, hey, you're going to die tomorrow. Give me my money that you were going to give me when you die. But he went and he squandered it on wine, women and song, a.k.a. sin. And now he comes back and you welcome him back with open arms like nothing has happened. If anything, you're treating him better now than you did before. What about me? What about me who has been here steadfast by your side this entire time? I never left you. I never questioned you. I never asked you for anything. I'm out there in the fields working my tail off every day to help keep this farm going. So the father lovingly replies, so lovingly replies to the older son that, son, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. Your brother, your younger brother has returned to us and we need to embrace him, welcome him back, forgive him and love him. So that's my rendition of the parable of the uh, prodigal son. Of course, stories vary upon storyteller, uh, upon theologians and, and Bible verses and Bible types and all of that. But I think you get the gist of the idea. It also goes hand in hand with one of a, another Jesus's parable about the 99. That if, uh, you know, he asked a shepherd that if, you know, one of your you know, 100 sheep roams off, um, what do you do? Do you just leave it or do you go after it and leave the 99? And the shepherd replied, of course, I'm going to go after that one sheep and, and, and save it. And that's how the um, universe, God, um, whatever you want to call that which has no labels is with us is that we are always welcome. It is always there. Its presence is always with us, although many, many times we don't feel it, acknowledge it, or know it in our mind, our relative mind. Um, it is there. It is us, and we are it, so we cannot be separated from it. We just have to flip that switch in our mind to know and feel it you know and to stop operating and functioning from a relative and um like society level of what's going on in our world and i mean i know it's overwhelming life is overwhelming um and there's a lot of suffering in it to the point that it we could we easily turn our thoughts away from the divine and to the world and that's not good for us that's not healthy and we're going to be doing a show on that exactly and the science and mechanics behind that suffering uh, next week. So stay tuned for that. So getting back to Father Henry, he sees this amazing um, painting by Rembrandt and immediately associates as the younger son coming back to his father because uh, Father Henry had a lot of issues with 
Um, you know, he came from a time uh, during World War II is when he was brought up and raised. Um, and he always was seeking his father's approval, his father's uh, pride. I mean, uh, I certainly was right there as well when I was younger uh, with my father. And I'm sure all of you can relate to that as well, is that you want your parents to be proud of you. You want them to acknowledge that pride. You want them to love you and encourage you. Um, but all too often, sadly, that, that doesn't happen because, you know, again, parents, they're people too, and they get caught up in what's going on in the world, and they get caught up in stress and strife and forget about what's actually right in front of them and what's going on. So Father Henry sees that to the beloved, the divine, God, the all, the universe, whatever you want to label that, which can't be labeled, which we'll just call from here on in this situation or in this show, the beloved, that way I don't have to keep going on and on. Um, Father Henry sees that he can have shelter and love through the beloved. The beloved is his father. Uh, just like we've seen with, uh, you know, the episode in season three with uh, Father Lazarus L. Anthony or Father Lazarus Anthony, as he's also known as, that he saw the same thing in the Theotokos, the Holy Mother of God, uh, when he needed a mother. So the same applies here. It's just that Father Henry seeing uh, the beloved as his father. So he relates as the father to the father as returning the lost, um, wanting forgiveness, sad and sorrowful, depressed, lonely, anxiety, all of those things that are going on with Father Henry. He was he was a very complex person and he had a lot of human issues. He was never comfortable in his human skin. And we see that a lot with a lot of the saints is that they're not comfortable in human skin, that they what they are, their light shines so bright and their energy vibrates so intense that the physical just can't contain it. Um, and they suffer greatly physically uh, in the human form. Uh, so again, Father Henry is no different. But also Father Henry started to see that he also resembles the, or can associate with the older son, the older son that returns saying, hey, what about me? Because again, you know, with his own father, he did not receive that uh, love, affection, uh, support, uh, pride that he longed for. And in some ways, he also sees that, you know, here the beloved is taking care of everybody else around him, you know, according, this is his mind's interpretation, but yet he suffers. He suffers greatly. He suffers greatly mentally. He suffers greatly physically. So he's like, why, you know, why, why do you help others and don't help me? And we can all associate. I mean, that's one of the great things about the parable of the prodigal son is we can all associate with all three of the characters in this parable or in this painting. And again, I urge you all greatly, please do a, a Google search for Rembrandt, the prodigal son, and it's just an amazing, beautiful piece. And listen, play this back and listen to it as you look at the piece and it will come to life even more for you. It'd be even more uh, symbolic and meaningful to you. 
So again, Father Henry sees that other people, you know, have it better than him, that better people, um, other people can mentally associate with things better. Other people don't get lonely. Other people don't have anxiety. Uh, other people are making friends and keeping friends. Um, but yet he has these, these issues or he believes he has these issues. So regardless if he does or he doesn't, it's, it's real life to him. It's reality to him. Like with all of us who have any kind of uh, issues mentally, you know, even though it may not be real, real to us, it is real. And again, sorry to keep rambling, but um, we also see this as when young people die. We're like, God, why? Why did this child die? Why did my child suffer? Why is why did my child die? Why did you take my child away from me? So we associate we can associate with the older brother in those situations. So this puts Father Henry into such a depression that he has to excuse himself and go into like a private seclusion or hermitage to try to decompress from all of this. Well, one of the parish um, and community is concerned and she's like well what's going on with father henry and other people are like well he's he's really depressed right now and he's in seclusion uh trying to work through it so she goes to him and she's like you know hey what's going on and he's explaining to her what you know what has taken place and she's like well look you know i understand you can associate with the younger son and the older son but now you've got to associate as the father. You've got to be the father because we need you to be the father. And that instantly pulled Father Henry out of that depressive slump and got him back on his feet and actively involved again into his parish and community. See, isn't it amazing how people can be? And that's why I always say, and that's a big part of the show is, to help us realize that to never underestimate the power of our words, we can heal with our words or we can cause devastating harm with our words. And we see how this one lady went to this great being, Father Henry, and she healed him instantly by just sharing from her heart, from love and compassion and helping him to realize what his true role is in this lifetime, and that is of the father. You're a priest, you're a father. But you don't have to be a priest <laughs> to be a father or a nun to be a mother. I firmly believe that we all, regardless of gender, can play both roles adequately, if not more than adequately. So it's also at this point that Father Henry realizes that it's not only his goal to go home to realize ultimate reality of the beloved, but also to help others do the same. Again, the old Marine saying, leave no one behind. And that's exactly what Father Henry began doing from that point on, as he realized that no matter how bad life is, no matter how bad he suffered mentally and physically, that it was his vocation, his life goal to help as many people as he possibly could.
And that should be our vocation as well. Our vocation should be love to help as many people as we possibly can. And again, like I said, don't ever underestimate the power of your words. Someone could be on their very last leg and then, you know, saying to themselves that one more thing and I'm done with this life and you saying what you say to them or doing what you do for them can change their life and bring them back. Again, the younger son, you would be the father or mother and bring them back. So we continue with the essay. Father Henry was born in Nykirk, Holland on January 24th, 1932. He was the first of four children. His mother was very intelligent and religious. His father was very intellectual and focused on providing for his family. The boys were always seeking their father's approval and pride, as I noted earlier. Father Henry's grandmother was key to discerning his vocation. At the age of five, she had a child-size altar and priestly vestments made for him. By the age of eight, he had converted the attic into, in their home into a little chapel. He was always busy in his little church. He was not like most children. He had dedicated his life to God at that early of an age. The markings of a true saint. So to back it up just a little bit more, in this part of the documentary, it's his younger, one of his younger brothers that's talking about this. And he said Father Henry was like that from all the time that he could remember, is that he wasn't like the normal kids, or like usual kids. Um, he was very focused on faith. Um, and it was very deep and ingrained in him. And this we also see in all of the other stories of saints that we've covered over the past three seasons and now into season four, and we always will. And it was so amazing that his grandmother not only saw that, but she nurtured that. She saw that holy seed in him and did everything she could to help it ripen by getting vestments made. And, and there was an awesome picture of it as well uh, in the documentary um, of, you know, little Father Henry <laughs> in his priestly vestments with the, in his little attic at his home, all converted into a, a little church and chapel and, and conducting services for the other kids in the neighborhood, offering communion. His brother, uh, his younger brother, also went on to say that uh, he was one of the altar boys uh, for his brother, his older brother, Father Henry, and helped with services. So that's that's really cool. So Father Henry's aunt was a nun and his uncle was a well-respected Roman Catholic priest. They, too, supported and encouraged his spiritual formation. He entered the seminary in Utrecht, the birthplace of the old Catholic faith, which we're going to be having a show on that not too far from now. He was ordained as a priest on July 21st, 1957. His bishop sent him out to continue his studies. He studied religion and psychology. And in the documentary, uh, Father Henry was talking about this in detail. And he was saying, that, you know, he didn't just want to go out and, and, and study theology, you know, uh, study the Bible or, you know, the, um, what the Bible is about and the deeper inner meanings of the Bible. He also wanted to learn what made people tick. He wanted to learn how how the mind works. And so he studied psychology. 
This led him to being invited to teach psychology, excuse me, psychology at Notre Dame Academy. Father Henry combined theology and psychology and was quite successful and influential. He was amazing at interfaith work. His lectures from Notre Dame became his book titled Intimacy. And there's several of Father Henry's books referenced here. So uh, if you all want to make note of them, if not, I will try to include links uh, to them. But again, this one was on intimacy. This one's called Intimacy, and it's about his time um, teaching uh, theology and psychology at Notre Dame University. Father Henry was invited now to Yale School of Divinity to teach pastoral theology. His classes were quite unique. One of his students said he would always begin class with a moment of silence and a simple prayer. His lectures were broken down into three 20-minute stages separated by something called Tazi Chance. It's T-A-Z-E. His students could clearly see that Father Henry was literally bursting with the Holy Spirit as he lectured and taught. What an immense blessing to have been one of those students. And you can see it in the documentary. And I'm sure if you do a Google search on Father Henry uh, teaching or um, his homilies or any of his services that he, you know, or talks that he did, you, you see he's very animated. He just like is all over the place. And again, you can see that that, divine essence and energy in him is so strong that his poor human frame can't contain it. He's literally just exploding and bursting at the seams as this energy just fires off uh, through him and out through his words and his, you know, his love and compassion. So Father Henry Wood host an open house every Monday from his apartment. Hospitality was the core of his ministry. He would often say, you never know when Christ will appear disguised as anyone. You should always be ready. He offered an open table at communion for anyone in all faiths or non-faiths. Many of his students that attended Yale School of Divinity were mostly there for Father Henry. And those of you who aren't familiar with the term open table, what that means is when it came time for communion to offer uh, the Holy Eucharist and um, the blood of Christ, the wine, um, Father Henry turned no one away. Um, uh, many, if not most, uh, churches have a, a, a rule that you have to be of their faith. Say, again, not picking on anybody, but Roman Catholics as an example, you have to be baptized in the Roman Catholic Church and be a Roman Catholic to... Uh, accept communion. So when you are, when they offer communion, um, they don't think they do that much anymore, but they used to say that if you are not Roman Catholic, please just stay in your seat and, uh, you know, and pray. Um, but this wasn't the case with uh, Father Henry and infinite blessings to him because this is one of many things that Father Mike and I share uh, the same view on is with Father Henry is that we firmly believe in an open table that when you offer communion, you offer communion to anyone and, and everyone that wishes to receive it. You know, you 
Before you offer, you give a, a brief explanation if they don't already know what it entails, what it is, what it means, what it symbolizes, uh, the energy and holiness and uh, all of that of this sacred sacrament of the Eucharist. Um, so they can feel that, so they can get that when they come up and accept that. But again, sadly, the majority of churches do not either offer the Eucharist. Um, I know a lot of reformists do not offer Eucharist, uh, but only like once a month or on certain occasions. Um, and then, you know, of course, your mainline Catholic churches, uh, Orthodox and, you know, Roman Catholic. Also, they do it weekly, but you've got to be a part of that faith. So again, something the old church of the independent, also known as the independent church, is trying to change and, and reform. And again, I'll have more on that as we do a show here in the not so far future on the old uh, Catholic church, also known as the independent Catholic church. So one of Father Henry's students shares that on one particular day at the Yale School of Divinity, Father Henry hands out to everybody a copy of a manuscript that he had written on desert spirituality and asked his students to critique it. This became Father Henry's book, The Way of the Heart. He wrote and published 12 books during his 10 years at Yale. One of these books was The Wounded Healer. This is one of Father Henry's most well-known Today, it is one of the best texts on pastoral care. He believed that gifts are hidden in pain and that by working through the pain, these gifts are discovered. And we'll talk more about that in next week's show. Father Henry said, The gifts of life are often hidden in the places that most hurt. I could not agree more. And through our wounds and pain, we can help others, suffering as we have suffered. And I always share this with people who are suffering and try to help them work through their suffering and not only work through it, but own it, embrace it, and then help others who are going through similar or the same or have gone through similar or the same. So say you are a wife whose husband cheated on you, but has reconciled and things are better now and you have that pain those scars that's so deep um, and you know and you run into people who are uh, other women who are experiencing the same thing you are at a level or at a, a space where you can share with them anything that and everything that helped you get through that part of your life that continues to help you, because I don't think you ever get completely through it, um, to, to, to help them overcome it, work with it, live through it, live from it. Um, you know, the same goes for, say, child abuse. You know, if you were abused as a child and you've completely overcome that and you're not, you, did, you're, you broke that cycle, you're not an abuser, you can help others. Same way with alcoholism, with Narcotics Anonymous, um, we learned that from uh, Mike S. back in season two, where he shared so raw um, his life experiences with addictions, um, with substance abuse. And, you know, we all learn so much from 
uh, Mike S. on that. And if you haven't heard that episode, please, please, please go back uh, to season two and listen to that uh, show with Father Mike. I mean, Father Mike, excuse me. We've got so many Mikes. Mike S. Father Henry was deeply inspired by the Trappist monk and mystic Thomas Merton. In 1974, he took a seven-month sabbatical at the Abbey of Genesee in upstate New York as a temporary Trappist monk. John Udus Bomberger recalls how well Father Henry fit in with the other monks and their tradition. He worked in the bakery, Father Henry did, and helped gather stones for the new chapel. He totally immersed himself into Trappist life. And the monks there said that <laughs> there were many times uh, Father Henry was a better Trappist monk than they, than they were. He adapted to it that well. But, however, the inner battle ensued within Father Henry. The solitary, contemplative life versus being with community where he received attention. He did not do well in seclusion. And we all know people, if you're not one of those people, you may be. Um, know someone who does not good does not do good alone. They have to be around other people. And this was the way with Father Henry. So the silence and solitude created great anxiety. And Father Henry shared these experiences in his book called The Genesee Diary. And isn't this amazing that you can actually get these books and a lot of them aren't very big. They're, they're pretty thin books or so they're quick reads, but they're so, so powerful. You can actually Go through Father Henry's life journey with him through his books. That's just amazing. That is such an amazing legacy. And I highly recommend Father Henry now and is, is one of my all-time favorites. And that's infinite thanks, blessings, and love to Father Mike Cantor for introducing me to Father Henry because I had never heard of him before, as I'm sure before this show, most of you probably had not heard of him. So the release of the book, The Genesee Diary, brought with it much attention and invitations from peers and others around the world. It is a very human and relatable text. Father Henry and his mother shared a very deep and strong bond. His mother and he saw heart to heart on so many things, even the mystical. While visiting him at Yale in September of 1978, his mother became ill. She returned home to Holland to find that she had inoperable cancer. Maria Nowen passed away on October 9th, 1978. Father Henry was deeply saddened. However, through the grief, he realized that his mother's passing was a gift. He wrote, Life is a long journey of preparation, of preparing oneself to truly die for others. It is a series of little deaths in which we are asked to release many forms of clinging and to move increasingly from needing others to living for them. And that's such an incredibly powerful statement is that we all too often are in take mode. We take, take, take. We need, need, need. Uh, but as we get older, hopefully most of us, or we should, uh, as we mature, come and especially in our faith, as we mature in our faith, we come to realize that, you know, we are not this flesh and bone self, that what we are is the ultimate. What we are is 
much, much more than this physical form. And again, we'll get into more of that in next week's show. I know I keep giving a lot of teasers for next week's show. I hope it's good. <laughs> but anyway, as, as Father Henry's pointing out here, is that he, as we go through life, we die many deaths. I always said this when I taught Buddhism and Eastern philosophies, is that um, take a picture of you when you were a baby. Take a picture of you when you were, say, five or six. Take a picture of you when you were a teenager. Take a picture of you when you were... You know, say you graduated from high school, take a picture when you graduated from college, line all these pictures up and then take a picture of you now. Line them all up. Who's who? Are you that baby? No, no. You're not that baby anymore. You can relate to some things. Um, If you're someone like me that has a vivid memory, you can remember back to the age of two, uh, if not earlier than that. Um, But a lot of us don't recall our babyhood. <laughs> so it's a blur. So you'd like, no, that's not me. What about the five-year-old, the picture of the five-year-old? Is that you now? No, absolutely not. What about you when you were seven, eight, nine, ten? 10? No. High school graduation? Nope. College graduation? Nope. But some wish they were. <laughs> what about you in your early adulthood? No. What about now? Now. Now. Now, see how it's always changing? No, no, we're not even the picture we took five, ten minutes ago. We are constantly growing, evolving, changing. You know, all of the human cells in the body change every seven years. Just we regenerate, you know, and the same should go for us spiritually, that we should grow, mature and evolve from being a neater being needy and taking to being giving and helping. And that's what Father Henry is saying here is that we move increasingly from needing others to living for them. I live for you guys. I live for my family. These are the reasons why I keep going day in and day out, fighting each and every moment of every day to stay healthy, and alive in this lifetime for as long as possible because I am living for others. I'm no longer living for myself. I pray that makes some sense. Father Henry's core identity was a priest. He was continually seeking where God wanted him to be. At the age of 50, Father Henry left Yale and moved to Latin America to explore ministry. He had a passion for social justice. He worked with the poor and the oppressed. He wrote, if we want to be real peacemakers, national security cannot be our primary concern. Our primary concern should be the survival of humanity, the survival of the planet and the health of all people. He soon returned to the United States to talk and share more about his experiences in Latin America and the needs of the communities and people. In 1982, he received an invitation to teach at Harvard Divinity School. He accepted on the condition that he would only teach one semester, allowing him time for activism and writing. His class was on religion and spiritual life. It quickly became the largest class in Harvard history. He created a community there and his students were very receptive. 
So one of the students in the documentary talks about this and he shares that there were actually people sitting in the windows. You know, I guess they had like, uh, you know, windows that were inset. There were actually people sitting in the windows. The class was huge, but it was so full of people sitting in the aisles. There were no places to sit in the seats. All the seats were full. You know, people are everywhere packed in. And who knows how many people were actually students of his and others that were just dropping in and sitting in. But this is just truly amazing. And it goes to show how incredible, incredible Father Henry is. One point that was unanimous amongst all of the people interviewed for the documentary on Father Henry was that he was always a child at heart. Uh, he was unpredictable, childlike, and had a resistance to the relative world. When speaking with others one-to-one, -one, he would give you all of his attention. It was like you and he were the only two in the world. And isn't that so how we see the saints and prophets that we've talked about over uh, the past three seasons now into season four? They all have that characteristic in his second year at Harvard, Father Henry added more Christ-based teachings to his lectures. This was unprecedented at Harvard. The Harvard powers that be deemed him politically incorrect. During the documentary, Father Henry says something incredibly powerful on an ultimate frequency level. He says, from the very beginning of my life, there has been two voices, one voice saying, Henry, be sure to make it on your own. Be sure you can do it yourself. Be sure you can become an independent person. Be sure I can be proud of you. And another voice saying, Henry, whatever you are going to do, even when you don't do anything very interesting in the eyes of the world, be sure you stay close to the heart of Jesus. And that's a quote we all can definitely regardless of our faith or non-faith, uh, we can agree with is that, you know, when we're doing the worldly things, it's very demanding and, and, and very dictate, dictating of what we should be, who we should be and how we should be and do it. Uh, but when we listen to that voice of the ultimate, of the universe, of the divine, again, whatever you want to label that which can't be labeled, it is always, again, like the father from the prodigal son. It's always there with open arms and an open heart and always loving us regardless of who we are and what we are and what we're doing or not doing. Jean Venier created and founded L'Arche in 1964. It became a place where people with disabilities could go and become a community and receive the care they needed in a loving environment. Today, L'Arche has 153 communities in 38 countries. Jean invited Father Henry to spend a year at L'Arche Daybreak in North Toronto, Canada, and assured him that he would find healing through the disabled as well as be able to give. He accepted, and while there, he kept a journal that was later published as the Road to Daybreak. So here's another book based on his experience there. In the text, Father Henry shares what is most personal and also most universal. He was invited by the community to stay 
In August of 1986, he moved to Daybreak as their pastor. He brought, excuse me, interfaith to Daybreak, something they had previously not had. Adam was assigned to Father Henry. Adam was one of the most handicapped at Daybreak. Father Henry found this assignment very challenging. He had to go at Adam's pace, which was much slower than his own. He was physically frantic. Each time Father Henry would ask why he had to do this, the answer was always the same. So you'll get to know Adam. This experience led to the book, Adam, God's Beloved. Yet another book from another experience. So here you could only imagine that Father Henry's bursting at the seams with energy. He's so vibrant and, and alive and flowing and gushing, just busting at the seams with divine energy. And here he's got to go at below snail's pace um, with Adam. And it's literally driving him crazy, but it's teaching him so much as well. While at daybreak, Father Henry suffered the greatest loss of his life the breaking up of a deep friendship. The friend was someone with whom he had spent many years with. However, because of his demands, the friendship was broken. Father Henry said that when his mother died, it was terrible, but it was nothing compared to losing this friendship. The result of this trauma caused him to move away from daybreak. He wrote, everything came crashing down. My self-esteem, my energy to live and work, my sense of being loved, my hope for healing, my trust in God, everything. Here I was a writer about the spiritual life known as someone who loves God and gives hope to people, flat on the ground and in total darkness. There's a lot of speculations, quotes of who this friend, end quote, was or is. Um, I'm not going to get into that here because a lot of it is foul and slanderous and poisonous. Um, you know, it's just a shame that when someone passes, uh, especially someone of Father Henry's caliber, you know, here's a, a modern day saint and prophet. Uh, there's a lot of people that are jealous of that. There's a lot of I hate to use the word evil, but that's just what it is. There's a lot of evil that wants to tear that down and tear that person down. And they're an easy target because they're no longer living. They can't defend themselves. So people target them. Beings target them. Evil targets them. Um, and it's just a mess. So I won't get into that other than, you know, this friendship was so very deep and meaningful to uh, Father Henry that it just destroyed him. Um, but, you know, it was, and a lot of his friends said it was not the other person's fault per se. It was mostly because Father Henry was putting so many demands on that friendship. And, you know, it just, it wasn't good. And, and it wasn't reciprocated, you know, in the same, in the same way. When he recovered, he was much stronger, and eventually the broken friendship mended. After this, Father Henry spoke about how often God being the great love and that the love for God must come first. He said, when we demand of the second love what only the first love can give, then we crash. He continues, God created you and me with a love in our heart that only God's love can satisfy. 
and every other love will be partial, will be real, but limited, will be painful. And if we are willing to not let the pain not make us bitter, but prune us to give us a deeper sense of belovedness, then we can be as free as Jesus and walk on this world and proclaim God's first love wherever we go. So those of you of all faiths or no faiths can certainly see this, I hope and pray, especially those of you who are Christians should see this, that we put a lot of demands on those that we love in this physical form. And, you know, the majority of the time it's 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 not fair. It's not something that they should be put through. Uh, We want to impose what we want them to be onto them and try to change them. Um, and, And that's a type of abuse, you know, whether you realize that or not. That's a type of abuse towards that loved one or friend that you try to mold them into what you want them to be rather than accepting them for who and what they are. And that, you know, on an ultimate level, there's only one true, um, you know, love, and that is with the divine. But again, you have to remember the divine is in all beings. So if you are with your soulmate, don't take that personally because your soulmate and you are both of the divine and you and the divine is of the both of you. So to me, that love transcends space and time and will go on and on forever and ever. And I, for one, am beyond blessed that my wife and I share that bond, that connection, um, that twin flame, as uh, some people call it. But again, as Father Henry is pointing out that we should not put Um, those expectations and those demands on the people that we love. Uh, We need to love them where they're at, as Father Mike Cantor says, you know, uh, love them where they're at and who as who they are. They're amazing beings. All of us are amazing beings. All of us have such amazing qualities and skills. And it's just really fascinating that we all share 99.9% of the same DNA. But that one tenth of a percent makes each of us individual to the divine and it's just very very beautiful how we are all the same but yet we are all very different there was an incident that happened uh, near the end of father henry's life where he had a near-death experience where he was struck by a van on an icy highway and this really transformed his life and his writing he began to um, look more at impermanence of this physical form um, and focusing more on the divine and, and connecting with the ultimate. Um, again, he had this amazing way of putting into words that which can't be put into words. No, there's no other person that I've found that can explain the ultimate as Father Henry does. Um, his, and we'll see that here in a minute. I'm going to go over some of a few of his sayings in teachings and it's just you'll you'll see it's just you're like wow you know how can someone put that experience into words and he does in september 1996 father henry suffered a massive heart attack in amsterdam he told one of his close friends i think i'm going to be okay but we never know if i die just tell everyone that i'm grateful 
that I'm enormously grateful. Please tell everybody that. Father Henry passed away in Holland on September 21st, 1996. His passing was felt worldwide and can still be felt today. We are beyond blessed to have so many of Father Henry's writings. He is now and always will be with us. He continues to be a source of hope and healing for generations. I closed this essay um, with a quote from Father Henry, and he says, I have lived my whole life with the desire to help others in their journey, but I have always realized that I had little else to offer than my own, the journey I'm making myself. How can I announce joy, peace, forgiveness, and reconciliation unless they are part of my own flesh and blood? So is it okay with all of you? I would like to um, share some quotes from Father Henry. Um, everybody, or most, excuse me, most people, I would say, enjoy when I do a story on someone and then share some teachings or quotes from them at the end and then kind of give my uh, lame two cents <laughs> to it. So here's the first one. Father Henry says, Jesus didn't say, blessed are those who care for the poor. He said, blessed are we where we are poor, where we are broken. It is there that God loves us deeply and pulls us into deeper communion with himself. And it's so important that, you know, for healing, I mean, true, true healing. And we're going to talk more here. Yeah, another... <laughs> teaser for next week's show. We're going to talk about this more next week, the importance of healing, proper healing, and how to get that healing is that, you know, we've got to be like the prodigal sons um, and go to the divine and receive that ultimate unconditional love and healing. The next quote from Father Henry is, solitude is very different from a time out from our busy lives. Solitude is the very ground from which community grows. Whenever we pray alone, study, read, write, or simply spend quiet time away from the places where we interact with each other directly, we are potentially opened for a deeper intimacy with each other. So again, he's pointing out that, you know, what probably one of the amazing experiences he had as a, when he was a, you know, a temporary Trappist monk was he learned about that solitude. And even though it drove him crazy, he achieved a lot in that solitude and in that quiet, um, in meditation and contemplation um, and in service. And, and from that, he was able to help more people at their level. And, you know, that was the, one of the most amazing things about Father Henry is no matter who you were, he met you at your level. He spoke in your language. He spoke directly to your heart. Next, he says, to learn patience is not to rebel against every hardship. And we all hate to suffer. We all are very impatient. I'm raising my hand. I'm, I'm a very impatient person as well. I want to be a priest yesterday. I don't want to <laughs> wait to be a priest. You know, number one, that's because of my impatience that I want everything yesterday. But also, I don't know how long I have to live. I mean, I'm doing the right things, but, you know, you know, in the back of your mind, when you have a heart failure condition, you think your heart could explode. 
literally at any time. So you're like, I don't know how much longer I have in this life. I can't wait. So but there is so much to be said about patience, especially during the hard times and to learn those lessons in the hard times that, you know, we're all presented hardships for reasons, um, even the, the very, very horrible ones. Um, as Father Henry said, uh, you know, I shared in the essay that he learned from his mother's passing um, so much about, you know, um, letting go and, and, and evolving and growing and and how little deaths we have so many in the life in our lifetime. You know, and I gave the example of us not being the, the baby that we were born as or the child we grew up as. And, you know, we're not the same person we were 10 minutes ago. We're always evolving, but sometimes it's so much at a subtle level. We don't recognize that. So we continue. Father Henry says the greatest trap in our life is not success, popularity or power, but self-rejection. And <laughs> we're going to be talking about that more next week. But yes, definitely. Uh, we are our worst enemies and we abuse ourselves so much. We all do to varying degrees and some of us more so than others. And, you know, we are our worst critic. Um, we are our worst bully. We are our worst abuser. Um, it's just, it's terrible. The things that we think and say and, and, and do to ourselves. And it's all because of our conditioning. It's because of, you know, our environment. It's because of our culture, uh, because of the media. I, mean, I can go on and on and on. And next week I'm going to be sharing ways and steps to get away from this and to heal from this. So Father Henry says, the real enemies of our life are the oughts and the ifs. They pull us backward into the unalterable past and forward into the unpredictable future. But real life takes place in the here and now. Being aware, you know, as what he's saying, is being aware of the moment, being alive and awake in the now. Again, this is someone working and operating from an ultimate level of seeing the ultimate nature of reality. Um, and, and moving and flowing and living in that. Is it hard? Yes. Is it impossible? Absolutely not. Um, you know, great masters and teachers and prophets and saints like Father Henry teach us these in, in, in their writings and in the way they lived and, and what they taught. Father Henry continues, spiritual identity means we are not what we do or what people say about us, and we are not what we have. We are the beloved daughters and sons of God or the divine or whatever you want to call it. And that is right there. You should take that and print that out and put that on your um, your bathroom mirror or next to your bed or in your journal and read that every day before you get up and before you go to bed read that spiritual identity means we are not what we do or what people say about us and we are not what we have or what we don't have i should add we are the beloved daughters and sons of the divine amen to that next father henry says the friend who can be silent with us in a moment of despair or confusion who can stay with us in an hour of grief and bereavement, who can tolerate not knowing, not healing, 
not curing. That is a friend who cares. And I, I couldn't agree more so many times, and I'm guilty of this as well. When we are with someone that's suffering, we, we try to help and heal by saying, oh, I know what you're going through, or I empathize, or this happened to me, or, and that is not the right way to help somebody. The best way is to just be there with them, listen to them, hold them, hold their hand, hug them, let them cry on you, let them air everything out, let them express their grief. For us to say, well, me, I, mine, this, that, that's, that's, I know we all mean well, but that's the wrong way to go about helping somebody. If they ask for your opinion or what did you do in this situation, if it's something that you've gone through, then by all means answer. But until that, allow them to grieve, allow them to mourn, allow them to express their pain and their suffering. That is ultimate healing there. And that's an ultimate friend um, that does that, that can do that. Next, Father Henry says, when we honestly ask ourselves which person in our lives means the most to us, we often find that it is those who, instead of giving advice, solutions, or cures, have chosen rather to share our pain and touch our wounds with a warm and tender hand. This goes right along with the previous quote. And again, you see how he so eloquently puts into words that which can't be put into words. You know, you can feel this through his words that, you know, just being there, you know, people that are there for us, that are just there. You know, when you are going through hell and you call someone and they say, I'm coming over right now. And they come over and they just hold you and let you just go and vent and, and, and just let all of that pain out. That is the ultimate. That is absolutely the ultimate friend, the ultimate gift, the ultimate love. Next, Father Henry says, each day holds a surprise, but only if we expect it can we see, hear, or feel it when it comes to us. Let's not be afraid to receive each day's surprise, whether it comes to us as sorrow or as joy. It will open a new place in our hearts, a place where we can welcome new friends and celebrate more fully our shared humanity. And Haven, my wife is one of these people. Every day, she, she, this is one of her mottos or sayings, is that every day you should learn something new from an experience that you've gone through, whether it's something of joy or something of, of sorrow, whether it's something of positive or something of negative. Always learn something every day, at least one thing from what you experience. And Father Henry's saying that here so eloquently as well, is that, you know, You've got to be open to experiences and to what is going on. Um, if you're closed-minded and closed-hearted and you've got your, your face in your phone and it's I, me, and mine, and that's it, you are not going to get anything out of the day that's going to be very productive, especially anything that's going to help you spiritually. 
Um, and that's the whole thing is we need to continue to grow, evolve, learn uh, spiritually, mentally, even physically. I mean, all in a positive way. But we can't do that if we're completely shutting everything and everyone out. I mean, I know for a lot of us, that's a defense mechanism because we don't want to get hurt. We don't want to get burned. But we've got to open up, even if just a little bit, and be aware of what is going on around us and who is around us and what is going on. I mean, that's how we share who and what we are with others is by serving and by being there for them, by helping people uh, any way and shape we can. And how can you be aware of someone even needing help if you're completely closed down? If you've got your earbuds in, you're facing your phone, and you're looking down, you've blocked everything and everyone out. And this last quote is just, wow, this is so mind-blowing. This is another one that you should print out. Put in your journal, write in your journal. You know, of course, I will have a link to these sayings in the show notes, but unfortunately, I can't have a link to my essay because that's property of, you know, Sanctus Seminary and Institute. But here is this amazing quote. I'm going to read this one twice. Father Henry asked these questions. Did I offer peace today? Did I bring a smile to someone's face? Did I say words of healing? Did I let go of my anger and resentment? Did I forgive? Did I love? These are the real questions. I must trust that the little bit of love that I sow now will bear many fruits here in this world and the life to come. I'm going to read it one more time. Did I offer peace today? Did I bring a smile to someone's face? Did I say words of healing? Did I let go of my anger and resentment? Did I forgive? Did I love? These are all real questions. I must trust that the little bit of love that I sow now will bear many fruits here in this world and the life to come. Holy moly, that's just, I mean, that's one that I'm actually going to keep that one and, and add that to my journal. And that's going to be part of my prayers every day before I go to bed is I'm going to say that one and keep that in mind. And actually, that would be awesome as well for when you wake up as an affirmation. Well, we did a show not too long ago on affirmations and in, in, near the end of season three. Um, go check that out if you haven't already. And, you know, it's wow. Wow. I mean, I'm just buzzing from that one alone. That's just incredible. Bless infinite blessings. Thanks and love to Father Henry Nowen for everything he was and everything that he is. And bless him infinitely for writing down so much of what he felt, experienced, and knew. So we can have these books and get get as much of this information as we can. Again, I can't recommend Father Henry Nowen's books enough. Again, I'll put some links in the show notes and description, but just go on Amazon or Thrift Books or wherever you purchase your uh, yummy, yummy books, and you'll put in Henry Nowen. It's 
N-O-U-W-E-N, Henry, H-E-N-R-I. Um, and you'll just see all of these books and amazing things. And like I said, many of them are so small and compact, you can take them with you anywhere you want to go. Um, I took one um, with me, The Wounded Healer. I took that with me um, not too long ago and ended up sitting at the, the car dealership while the car was being worked on for two and a half, three hours. And I just dove right into the book and just just ate it up. It was just, you know, amazing. I can't recommend him enough. I hope you all have enjoyed the show and the introduction to Father Henry Nowen, and I so hope and pray that it sparked your interest in Father Henry Nowen's works and books. I was able to find a link on YouTube to the documentary that I did my essay on, so I highly encourage and recommend all of you check that out. I will have a link to that amazing documentary, I should say truly amazing documentary, in the show notes and description. Also, a little bit of a present to all those who made it this far in the show and didn't skip through or to the end or turn the show off. We have a book nook coming up this Wednesday, so stay tuned for that. It will air Wednesday morning at 12 a.m. Eastern Time. So wherever that is in your location, that's the time you can tune in, download the episode, or just stream it and listen to it. It's always good. The book nooks are always enjoyable, at least I think they are. Uh, it's it's a great time for me to be able to share with you guys some of the, the nitty-gritty things going on in my life, if you're interested in that, and plus information on future shows and things going on in general. So be sure to check it out. This week's prayer requests are as follows. We have a new addition. Ray, Ray is uh, Haven and my brother-in-law. He is the husband of... Haven's sister, Stephanie. Um, Ray had some lung biopsy done this past week, and it is well believed that he does have cancer. So we're still awaiting the results, but the doctor that did the biopsy said, you know, he could all but confirm that he does have cancer. Now, we don't know what stage or anything like that, but I will definitely keep you all posted. Also, speaking of lung biopsies, Elaine, uh, my mother and, and Bob's wife had a, two biopsies done in her lung this past week. So let us keep her close in our heart and prayers that those biopsies come back negative and that she's A-OK. Uh, she's reported that she's feeling a lot better since the biopsies were done. So let us keep her in our heart and prayers. That continues. Also in need of prayers is Ariana, Bob, Lana, Megan, Molly, Gwyn, Octavia, Clyde, Rachel, Mike S, Kathy, Michael T, Father Mike Cantor, Eddie, Emma, Jean, Father Daniel, and his mother Anne, and his brothers. And if you are in need of prayers, please do not hesitate to reach out to me. I love to pray, and people that listen to the show love to pray, so let us pray for you. My contact information is at the end of every show. It's just coming up here in a few moments. And reach out to me and let me know who, what, when, where needs prayers, and we will get them going for everybody. So let us do our closing prayer and benediction. In nominee, Divi, Filii, 
Spiritus Sancti. And I could think of no better prayer to close with than that of Henry Nouwen himself. He says, and you can use whatever language or terms or labels you want. Dear Lord, give me eyes to see and ears to hear. I know there is light in the darkness that makes everything new. I know there is new life and suffering that opens a new earth for me. I know there is a joy beyond sorrow that rejuvenates my heart. Yes, Lord, I know that you are, that you act, that you love, that you indeed are light, life, and truth. People work, plans, projects, ideas, meetings, buildings, paintings, music, and literature all can only give me real joy and peace when I can see and hear them as reflections of your presence, your glory, your kingdom. Let me then see and hear. Let me be so taken by what you show me and by what you say to me. Let your vision and hearing become my guide in life and impart meaning to all my concerns. Let me see and hear what is really real and let me have the courage to keep unmasking the endless unrealities which disturb my life every day. Now I see only in a mirror, but one day, O Lord, I hope to see you face to face. Amen. And now our benediction, blessing. May the divine shine upon and within you. May the divine hear and answer your prayers. May you experience divine love, compassion, and forgiveness. May your brokenness be healed and may you share that healing with others. May the divine bless you with peace, health, and love. In nominee, Divi Fili Spiritus Sancti. We so hope and pray that you have enjoyed the show and have found everything that you are searching for in a podcast and more here with us. We now have an Amazon.com wish list for the show for anyone who would like to make an offering. A link can always be found in the show notes. Angel is always open to questions and suggestions. We have people listening from all over the world. There are amazing beings, past and present, in your country, society, and culture that we do not know about. But we should. Please. Contact Angel and share these amazing beings so the world can learn about them. Next is prayers. We love to pray and our listeners love to pray as well. So, let us pray for you. There are two ways to do this. The first is to email angel directly at faithandmorepodcast at gmail.com. The second is through our website at faithandmorepodcast.wixsite.com slash my dash site there is a form at the bottom of the website to request prayers so until next time have a blessed week and know that each and every one of you are in angels heart and prayers bless you